Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. Hi, listeners. This week's interview had a few network issues and so the sound quality isn't very good in parts but please bear with us. We tried our hardest to get through the interview and give you quality information that you would need regarding ADHD. So without further ado, onwards to the interview. This week's guest is a college lecturer, practitioner in private practice parent educator and author of Hyper Healing. She's been married for 20 happy, glorious years and a mother of six beautiful children, ages between seven to 19. Crikey. Her passion is helping parents and children diagnosed with ADHD, conduct disorder, or learning disabilities flourish and achieve their best. What drives her work is asking the question, why are they suffering? and not what are they suffering from or what is the disorder diagnosis. This question ultimately led her to develop this intervention program full of novelty, discovery, structure, responsibility, routine and faith in each child's ability. She is a firm believer that there is a is a she is a firm believer that there is a holistic way to approach the adaptation to and management of life with somebody who presents ADHD symptoms without the sole reliance on medication. Hi, welcome, Abigail. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. It's such a pleasure talking with you today. No, it's awesome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much. I can't wait for this podcast episode because um, I know so many people who have children with ADHD and who are in a position where they go, well, I just, I don't know what to do. It's, a, you know, around the diagnosis, around helping them, around all of those things. So I can't wait to listen to this because I'm hoping, you know, we can go out there and um, give some people some good information. Yeah, I'd be thrilled to do that. After so many years of having my own kids diagnosed and trying to figure out what to do with them, I've amassed so much. I'm very blessed to be able to have this information and I'm always, mm. always thrilled to share it. Well, look, let's start at the beginning then. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've come to be a guru, this help, you know, this, this, you know, how you've come to actually help parents and children of ADHD. Absolutely. So my journey begins really as a young teacher where I was in this classroom and I was only 20 years old when I started teaching and I, I meet my students and I have a couple of students who I literally can not figure out how to educate. They were either way over, way over emotional or very, very energetic, active, or you looked at them and told them to do something and they looked you straight in the eye, locked eyes with you and said, nope. And they wreaked havoc on my classroom. 
And I did all of the things that we brilliant teachers think we should do. We punish, we tell the parents, we send the kid out, we raise our voices, all, all those nasty things. And obviously, uh, none of them have any effect except for making the problem worse. And uh, so I really had to take a deep dive to figure out what was going on with my students and how I could help them. Now, obviously, I was studying special education, so I knew that ADHD was a thing, but it, that we weren't pushing pills quite yet. And, uh, and I'm grateful for that. So it actually gave me the opportunity and the space to be able to figure out what was going on for these kids. And, uh, and I developed a program for them. So that first year was a wash. And I, I feel like if I could reach out to those students again and apologize, I would. But uh, I guess on their backs, I was able to learn how to help children with ADHD. And I think my big aha moment was when I realized that ADHD was not this one cause disorder, that it was some kind of neurological issue. And not only that, it might not be a disorder, but I realized that this list of symptoms, are you looking confused? This list of symptoms that we're seeing, and they're real symptoms. As a mom of kids with ADHD, I will tell you, real symptoms. And the kids are really struggling. But what I realized is that this list of symptoms is caused by many different things, just like a sore throat could be caused by many different things. And we would not be serving a child by saying, oh, you have a sore throat, it must be COVID. We would not be doing our best at being curious and really digging down and, and drilling into the issue and trying to figure out what was going on. So I, when I started having my own children, I already had some sort of toolkit and I was a little calmer. My husband is definitely ADHD and the guy's got so much energy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, yeah, you're like surrounded. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like the only person who could focus for more than 10 seconds in my house. So you can imagine, imagine dinner time. So as my kids are rolling in, and I'm blessed to have six amazing children, uh, they, they just kept getting diagnosed one after the next with ADHD. So that really pushed me to get my act together and learn even more. So whereas I was able to really do great with these students in the classroom. And today I teach teachers. I'm a college lecturer. I teach teachers. And, uh, and therefore, I, I know what to do in the classroom. But when my kids rolled in and I, and I, I was shocked, I was like a deer in a headlight. What? You're telling me there's something wrong with my child? And I collapsed and I started medicating. And then, once again, just like in the classroom that first year, made all the mistakes. But I caught myself quick enough to say, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with what's happening. And that's where the second stage of my, I guess, career uh, really kicked off was to help my children. Yeah. And I've been passing that forward ever since. So did, did you recognize it in your children or was it when they got to school or like, how did, because from what you're saying there, it sounds like you didn't really recognize it in your kids. Oh, I, t I totally recognized oh, it in my kids. Oh, you but did? What I was seeing, oh, okay. What I was seeing was like a super healthy kid who was incredibly curious and wanted to touch everything because everything was interesting and preferred to be out in nature and playing with bunny rabbits than to be in the classroom. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a cool, healthy kid. And it didn't occur to me because I was raising her. And I saw, I'm talking about my oldest, who's 23 now. So it didn't occur to me that there was anything wrong with her because objectively there's nothing wrong with her. She's just wired differently. So as a mom, 
I'm like, wow, amazing kid. And then they're like, no, not amazing kid, broken kid. Yeah, but the thing is, but I have to say to you though, right, ADHD to me is just, they have a different super, they just have a superpower, right? And I think we've spoken about this previously, where I go, they're not, it's not broken, they just see the world differently and uh, they're just, they're just super energetic. They're like, they can do probably 10 times, you know, 10 times the things that I could do because they just geared a different way. Our problem with these kids is that they have all that energy and it's very, very hard to help them channel it. So they could, they could binge watch all night long and then get up in the morning. But what have they used their energies for? They're very, they, they definitely have a pull toward being more addictive. Uh, And, and the truth is what we're talking about, really, I I put it into two categories. We're talking about the kid who's just born more energetic. And then we're also talking, and, and that kid I would call the instant gratification child. That's his instant gratification personality. He's a healthy child with a personality that's different than the kid who's studious and likes to do well on tests. He's much more of the here and now and, 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 and grabbing the interesting and the novel and the slightly dangerous. That, that's where he is or she um, and in my case, most of the she's in my family are, are quite energetic, even though they say the girls are usually the more uh, the more passive, dreamy ones. But it, it, it didn't work out for us that way. So we don't have any of those. It's, it's all high energy. My husband is just that powerful. Uh, the, genetically, who would have thought? <laughs> but but the point is that there's that category, which is the really the genetic, a healthy genetic personality passed down. And then there's the other category, which is our environment causing too much stress on a child, either on their body physiologically or emotionally. So that will also cause ADHD symptoms. So we have to really kind of gain some curiosity and figure out what's going on for each individual child. Because for some one child, it's going to be a death disorder. Another child, it's going to be their person personality which is really like he's like a wild child he's just missing habits missing organization he's not great at sticking to schedules because schedules are the very opposite of novelty so we've got to help him do that but when it's a child that has something from the outside coming in and and causing this stress then that child if it's if if he or she is is being uh abused or or neglected or some other terror or bullied in school that child's just not available to learn yeah yeah. And it's calling out for help through bad behavior. Yes. And so, okay, so let's take a step back because they're the two categories. But, like, for people, like, I know people with a, who have ADHD children, like, um, and my son's eldest sister has ADHD. Her dad, we think, has ADHD as well. So, you know, there's all of these things within the family. I don't believe... The middle sister has ADHD and I don't think my son has ADHD. Nobody's mentioned it to me, but like, what is it? Yeah. Well, he's six, six and a half. So what is it? They're the two categories, but what actually is it for people who don't know? So what we're seeing in kids with ADHD symptoms is the first thing we're seeing is that they're very hard. They have a very hard time. It's like massive though. So getting up in the morning, going to bed at night, homework, showering, they also are socially, they really struggle because they are emotionally slightly immature. So they're going to be a little more tactless. They're going to be 
uh, you know, kind of burst into conversations without really figuring out social cues. Emotionally, they are very sensitive. So they are sensitive to other people. They notice when someone else is, is uh, feeling bad and you, you see that there's a lot of kindness in there, but they also feel very emotionally uh, for themselves. So things that someone will say something to them is where someone will brush it off, they're gonna hold it for the entire day. Uh, they, they tend to be a little bit more impulsive. So impulsivity to me means that they're running for novelty, they're running for what's interesting right now. They're jumping out at, uh, at things that, that grab their attention now because they are more creative-minded often. They're often more creative-minded. And as a matter of fact, according to some very large studies, they, they have higher IQs, so they're more intelligent. So they, get, they can often get bored yeah. quicker. And, uh, and they don't really have a fear of risk sometimes. So they're, they're, they're willing to poke at the teacher or to get into trouble. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, the, te the teachers in the crowd yeah. know that, and I know that as a teacher myself. And they need an enormous amount of attention. Mm. They also, well, we're going to just throw one more thing in, often, to, often are very disorganized. But that comes along with not being able to do routines well and not being able to stick to a schedule well. And if we're already talking about it, I mentioned before, they, uh, they definitely, because of this instant gratification personality, tend to be a little bit more addictive. Right. Yes. Yes, very much so. Um, so, okay. So. Can you can you diagnose a child? Does it take a long time to get a child diagnosed? Does it like can they be diagnosed at a young age? It's like because that sounds like a big massive list, and I've got some of those things, and my son's got some of those things. Do you know what I mean? Like we all have elements of those traits. So ADHD diagnosis is the reason why I didn't catch on for a while is because the list of symptoms are pretty normal behaviors. Everybody is tactful yeah. sometimes. Everybody's face and just doesn't want to get in the shower sometimes. These are things that happen yeah. to most people. Uh, so what would differentiate a person who's struggling with, we're going to label them ADHD, despite the fact that I, I really just don't love the label because then we're saying the person's disordered and starting of curiosity yeah. and figuring out why, why they're struggling. But the person who would be labeled with ADHD is when these symptoms cause impairment where they're not managing to learn in school, where they, they can't make friends. They are socially um, just committing suicide all the time. That, that sort of thing. That's when you would say, okay, this person really needs a, a little bit of extra help. Although we're extremely trigger happy nowadays with diagnosis, schools benefit when kids are diagnosed with ADHD. Not very many people know that. But the more kids are diagnosed with ADHD, the school financially benefits from that. And also on overall wow. uh, this is at least in america on the overall test scores they could remove those kids from the test scores. so if they're not doing well in school it won't bring down the school average so there is definitely a push and an interest in diagnosing in terms of the diagnostic process itself it's very disappointing because in general a kid will be diagnosed with adhd within a half an hour uh, and some there wow. are some doctors isn't that crazy? Uh, there are some doctors who will really- I just can't believe you can diagnose. I, I was going to say, I can't believe you would be able to diagnose a kid in half an hour. Yes. Yeah, so I, in my book, I actually write about 
started diagnostic tests. She was in the second grade, and uh, we were having a fun day out together. You know, she's she's the oldest of six, so she, you know, it's nice for her to get some private attention. I took her over to the doctor, and we're having a great time in the waiting room. And then we we come into the doctor, and she's all excited because she's having a great day. She happens also to be a very high energy kid. So the doctor doesn't look up at us and needs to print something. So she presses print, the doctor, and my daughter hears the printer and is like, oh, I'll be helpful here. She jumps out of her seat and hands the printed document to the doctor, like obviously without being invited to do so, but she was in second grade. And and the doctor looks up at me for the first time and says, slam dunk, ADHD. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? She says, yeah, then this is the medication. And did you have any questions? So I'm like, question, 900 questions. And she said, basically, the diagnosis is based on a form that parents fill out, a form that a teacher fills out. It's basically rating scales of behaviors. And based on observable behaviors, a child then is diagnosed with a neurodivergent or neurobehavioral disorder for life. And that's the story. Wow. And and sorry, so I don't know if that is the case here. So I just want to say, you is that the case globally or is that the case just where you uh, are? No, there are some countries that do better. Uh, okay. There's, there, in general, it's a fairly quick process. And even yeah. places where they're doing better, they're spending a little more time giving uh, um, didactic tests to the kids and, and, and they'll, they'll check other things. And then they'll give the diagnosis, but in, it's still way too quick and yeah. way too personal and not looking for other things that are could be causing disorder. They're not asking how much how much time a kid spends on screens or if they have physiological problems, things like that. Um, so yeah, that that's something that's definitely a Western uh, in in America in Israel where I am right now. The, those that's it's a very quick process. I know that in England. Uh, they take a little bit more time. France also is a little bit better on that front. Yeah. But uh, it's not great. You're not getting real information. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a longer process here in Australia, but at like potentially maybe the UK, but I don't know because I haven't had a child diagnosed with it. Um, but yeah, wow, that's crazy. That's right. I don't understand how that can just happen like that quickly. And and yeah. there's no there's no discussion with you around what was going on in her life or anything like that at all. We've got, like, we we never look at context. No. And that's wow. quite the problematic sort of diagnosis. And again, the fact is the children are struggling. But this does not uh, contradict that fact. The kids are not doing well. They're not they're not happy because everyone's yelling at them all the time because they're not doing what they're supposed to do ever. But the diagnosis is, would not be, in my mind, the next place to go. It would be what you said, looking at the context, figuring yeah. out what's happening for that child. Yeah. Wow. And do, and do boys get diagnosed more than girls or are we finding that, that that's not yeah, changing? That or that it, it's it's a little bit a little bit changing but it still seems to be the trend that uh, way more boys are diagnosed than girls 
the girls, because girls tend to uh, present as, as quieter and uh, more artistic, dreamy, you know, and that doesn't bother. So that, that's another thing, like the, a lot of the diagnosis and treatment is because it's really bothering the adults. Wow. Yeah. So, so the girls are perhaps bothering the adults less right now. So we miss it. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so, okay. So you had been aware of ADHD and all of that when you were teaching, then you like left and then you had your six children as such. <laughs> Well, I never oh. left. I never, yeah. I never left. I, mean, I carried uh, on teaching the throughout. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm saying the pregnancy, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. you wouldn't have, like, but it was, it was it's a been a long day for me. Like, like many, <laughs> it feels like it was well, years yeah, six, blimey. <laughs> um, I know, Jesus. I mean, there we go. But, like, okay, so then what made you go towards, like, how did you move into one writing the book you've got hyper healing and then but also then moving into educating teachers and and helping parents and and looking at a holistic way to approach right. all of this. so the book the book is a, a culmination of creating courses and working with individual clients my goal was not to write a book my goal was to help as many people as possible because when my kids started being diagnosed i also look back on my own life and as a little kid whereas I have no ADHD symptoms today I mean close to none we all have some of them when we're tired and when we're hungry but but uh, really close to none of them and and I did was able to sit down and write a 400 page book during that first lockdown with all of my kids home uh, dancing on my head so, so I'm clearly a focused person but when I look back at my elementary school career it was a disaster and I was, I, I didn't do homework. I didn't, you know, I, I remember the teacher making a chart, like a, like a competition, a, a toothbrushing competition in the morning. And, and I, I, I would come into school every morning and be like, oh God, again, I don't get a star. And, but the thing is like, what was happening? My life was chaotic itself, as opposed to my husband who was very much his personality. For me, my parents were splitting up. I'm one of eight. It was a it oh, was a wow. loud, busy household. It was a lot of other stuff going on in my life. And as a little kid, I stuck in what was happening and learn. That, that was an impossibility for me. So as my kids are being diagnosed, that comes up to my head. And I say, one second. When I met my students, I would say I, I had one kid who would come to class and promptly fall asleep. And he woke up, he was nasty and angry to everybody. And really, and, and he would have been like that with either sleep disorder, ADHD, personality disorder, all, all sorts of stuff, mood disorders. But when I stopped him and I said, Alex, what's going on? You're very tired. So he was a first grader. He didn't know what to tell me. But when I spoke to the guidance counselor and, and we dug a little bit more, his parents were going out to party every night <gasps> and they didn't want to get a babysitter. So they were bringing him and his sister in the car and giving them cold medication to knock them out. And they would sleep in the car while their parents danced the night away. And then they send them to school the next day. So keeping my own story wow. in mind and then my students' stories, 
And uh, and I know one student was was being sexually abused by her uncle in in her home. It was a Russian family, and they had a lot of different generations living together. They were new immigrants, so they were all living in the same apartment. And this poor little girl was being targeted regularly. And I was only able to to determine that, obviously, again, guidance counselor, because I was paying attention to her instead of saying ADHD. She was obnoxious. She. She was she was not obnoxious. Her words, the way she spoke was obnoxious. She didn't listen to anything. She was the one who looked me in the eye and said, no. But I was looking at her as a person and I'm seeing something. She's suffering. And again, we were able to see that this was sexual abuse that she was dealing with. A kid who's being sexually abused, taking cold medication, is not focusing in class and is screaming for help through their behavior. A kid who has a runny nose all the time and has autoimmunity, asthma, allergies, there's something going on in that child's body. And that child cannot sit and study and focus and is gonna be agitated all the time. So that's when, as I was really observing, I started understanding that we, our story is too simplistic. And then of course I, I started, I love to read. So I started ordering books. I started with uh, with books on brain chemistry, how it works. Is it really something wrong with the brain? One book led me to the next because they quote each other. They, they, they bring studies. I look at the studies. I order the next book. And so I started giving myself a, a, uh, a fantastic education. And, uh, and that's how I got to building my courses and being able to pass that on. I feel I'm, I'm a real conduit because I was I was lucky enough to have enough curiosity and God kind of presented me with the reason to be curious and it's the information travels through me to whoever needs it wow wow no that's awesome well and like hats off to you for being a conscientious teacher and there are lots of them out there who um you know who focus on you know the ch- the children and what's going on because they you know they you've got them in a way you've got them the same amount of time that we've got them in a way if not and more it, and it's high um, quality time yeah. too that's when they're alert yeah you're really seeing them when they come home they, yeah they want to be left alone and and the parents do not get the best hours of a children's no. day no and sometimes and sometimes and sometimes they come home you've got two three hours with them they're off to bed and you're doing homework or what well, I'm doing homework with them and stuff like that um yes. and yeah and going from there so okay so what happens if your child it what do you oh, how do I phrase this question <laughs> without putting you on the spot if your child is just diagnosed with ADHD what should be the first thing that you do? What, like? The very first thing is take a deep, deep breath and calm down. This is something I'm giving this advice to my younger self because that's what I didn't do. When we are in a panic, we always make the wrong decisions. Yeah. So just calm down. Know that your child is healthy and struggling. And from there, once you're calm, don't go with the first solution that's offered you because that's the quick fix. And the quick fix, we usually pay on the back end. So yeah. I'm not against medication. I've, I've medicated my own children. But the first step we're going to take is not to run to medication. We're going to first take a journey 
and we're going to try to figure out what's going on with the child. And, and that's really why I wrote the book. It's a gift for parents who want to take that journey, but they have no idea where to look because no one's told them that a gut dysbiosis, a runny nose, or, or often having infections or having asthma or allergies has anything to do with ADHD. So I, I take a parent through, let's start with instant gratification personality. If, if your child has that kind of, that fun now, fast, interesting, loses interest in a, in a second, then this is, these are the steps you take. And you take, you follow these steps and you're going to help your child be able to flourish. And uh, then we go on from there and we talk about uh, a gut dysmiosis and we talk about emotional overload. Is your child dealing with way too much emotional stress, either because your child is, is a little bit immature emotionally, and in which case we have excellent tools for that child, or it's because the child is dealing with bullying or abuse, in which case we've got to get that dealt with. And if we medicate a child as being abused, we're shutting down their last communication process with adults. So they can't yell anymore. They can't tell us I'm hurting. So if it's that. Well, and also what is what is that telling a child as well? Right. Like and that's, that's, that's what makes not a great it. message to a kid. Exactly. You're telling a child the problem is with you. You're broken. You're problematic. And it's like, no, he's not. He's not broken. There's something in his environment that's very broken. And we're going to look at screen addictions. Is that your kid's problem? Is your kid's problem that that she or he is, is never out in nature and, and is, is not doing enough exercise? There's so many different things we have to look at, which is why the book is so thick. I cannot believe I wrote a book that long. But we, if we go step by step, then we can do that exploration and, and really respectfully give our child the help that, that she needs. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, but what you're saying there, like with screen addiction and things like that, is you're, when they're absorbed into the screen, it doesn't necessarily mean to say they're ADHD. There just might be other issues there. Is that what you're saying? Well, there's, there's two things here. There, like I said before, kids with ADHD symptoms tend to get more addicted to things. And then on the other side, there's studies out of California that show us that screen addiction causes ADHD symptoms. So if the child was not on screens, those symptoms would come down. And, uh, and which is why when I see that a kid is very absorbed in screens and spending a lot of time on it, the first thing I do is a screen diet. And that's something that's really, really important. And parents call me back two weeks later because the first two weeks are really difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. They call me back two weeks later and I say, oh my God, I got my kid back. Yeah. So these are things and it, we have to look at every single thing. If we, we're charged with taking care of these children. It's our responsibility. We cannot outsource that to a, to a doctor. We want the doctor's advice, but we, we have to be teammates with the doctor, not giving it over and saying, tell me what to do to fix the child. Yes. And look, um, I have mentioned him on this podcast before, but um, Gabba Mate, who's a Canadian physician who uh, does a lot of work with um, addicts, drug addicts, yeah, alcoholics, etc. Right now, oh, he just—he's fantastic. Um, and um, which book are you reading? Just for I'm reading accuracy. the one on ADHD. He actually has one oh, specifically for ADHD. Yeah, he tells his own story, which is very compelling. exactly yes. And so he has ADHD, but he's saying 
he is one of these people like you who's saying we well, maybe we need to look at this a bit differently right adhd mm. we just can't blanch smearing everyone with this adhd brush um and potentially it's not you know give the drugs that's you've got a, a you know a disorder uh dysfunction in your brain and here we go here's some drugs and you, that'll sort you out it's it could be many many different things and that's not always the solution um one of the things i did here is um that it's potentially hereditary it goes from like i don't know if it's the father's side i mean you know my in my case yeah. yeah but like my ex-partner is the father of the children that we have me and the his ex-wife as such so um only one child at the moment is diagnosed with adhd i don't know if any of them like you said it's probably would have been raised by now so okay but um yeah only the eldest has been diagnosed but it, is it hereditary is it or so there are is, hereditary is that coincidence that that makes us confused because the minute we use the word hereditary we assume it's a disease and what i'm yeah. seeing is hereditary is a personality type when i think about myself i'm more similar uh, in personality to my mother than my father everybody kind of inherits a personality type one of my daughters is much more like my older sister oh, which wow. is really fun uh yeah so we see that so it, it's not my personality type, it's not my husband's but there it is it's amazing and uh but but we're gonna find our personality types within our family tree so therefore that's the hereditary part you know my husband looks at the neighbors and they're all like walking down the street together and all the kids are listening and organized and clean and uh, all that stuff. And he's like, how do they do that? And I'm like, well, look at the parents, like one's an accountant and the other one's like a, a speech therapist. They, they, they are like, they're, it's a different personality type. They obviously, you know, they, they're, they do great with um, discipline as well. And that's another thing we're looking at with ADHD, by the way, because we are our children's environment. So we also have to look at our discipline and, and what we're doing. That's not a, a very popular uh, comment because parents do not like that to take that. But the truth is you can't separate a child from environment. And whereas we're not at fault for not knowing how to raise this child because nobody gave us the rule books. Before exactly. Was that born. was what I was going to say. We're all human. Yeah. That's why this podcast right. is called strong, single and human. Cause we are, we're exactly. human. We have buttons pushed. We working on our blueprint and whatever, which, yeah. you know, so if we could stop feeling sorry for ourselves and say, I just didn't know this yet. And I'm glad to know it now and be forgiving and kind then we can also alter the environment. In my book, I spend the first three chapters talking directly to the parents because the parents can do so much in shifting in, in subtle ways, the way they relate to their children and their environment. So when you say, is it hereditary? Yes and no. Yes is the personality, but there's another aspect also. This is just a nice example. So it's nature and nurture, basically. So, it's those yeah. two, like, combi combination of the two, maybe? Well, so, so yeah, for sure, for sure. If you took these kids who are labeling ADHD and they grew up in a forest, they would be the most resourceful, the most helpful. Oh, my God. Most out of the box. And and I saw that during during the first lockdown, my one of my sons, who is a high energy, amazing kid, there was, there was no locking him down. You know, there's certain kids you don't lock down. 
So he spent, he spent those, I don't know, it was two and a half months. He built from scratch a, a car with his friends. He found oh bicycles and pieces of wood and, and he built a car that that's like, it was amazing. It's like a Dr. Seuss construction. And, uh, and that was like, if he were out in the far, I want him. If the apocalypse should come, I want him on my team, you know? It's really funny, right? When you say that, I was when you were saying about all of that, I sat here and I thought, you know the program that's on TV, the Survivor program, where they shove them on an island and yeah. they just go, well, there you go, there's an island, go survive, right? I sit there and I go, I wonder if if you did a survey of the winners coming out of that, whether the majority of the ones that won were like the ADHD ones, yeah, and maybe there may be some social skills, but but there were the ADHD ones who went there and said, right, we're just going to do this. And they just used and invented and did everything, you know, that to survive. Right. And those kids wow. that do great in school are probably not doing very well in Survivor Island. So they so basically the context is very important. So, yeah, so it's nature nurture, but the, the, the nurture part is the other stuff that's causing ADHD, which is not hereditary which would be trauma, abuse, screen addiction, um, you know, nature deficiency, all that stuff is not hereditary. And I've got to say, if I had a team of people or I had a small business or whatever, your son is who I'd want on my small business with the oh ideas God, and the energy cool. and – Oh, exactly yeah. right. So I sit there and I go – I, I think with ADHD, we're looking at it all wrong anyway, because I think we're diagnosing it as saying it's a disorder and, oh, somebody's suffering from ADHD. And I'm like, no, 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 this, like I said before, it's a superpower, people. Like, it's, yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, so, okay, so it's nature, nurture, might be, whatever. Like, can, what, can diet help? Can, like. Oh, Yeah. Diet's a big one. I'm thinking like after that, uh, that important. The diet is essential because a lot of times a, a kid has a tremendous amount of inflammation. I'll give you a quick story. I was, uh, yeah. I was doing a carpool um, with the same son actually and a friend. They were going to reading lessons, and uh, and I noticed he always had a runny nose. He was off the wall hyper, really cutest kid, curious about everything big giant eyes blonde hair flying all over the place so i would love i'd love talking with him but he was oh he just always was running so i said to so i called his mother and i said listen i see that he's running all the time i'm that annoying mom i really try not to do this almost ever i just was friends with the mother and i said why don't we try taking him off of gluten and dairy for for just a couple of weeks and see what happens the next week he was calmer and his nose was dry. oh wow yeah. And uh, a couple of weeks later, he comes in shooting off the ceiling of the car and uh, talking up a storm. Nose is running again. I say, hey, what happened? He says the holidays happened. Basically, it fell apart because the, the parents couldn't focus on the gluten free diet and keeping him off of sugar and dairy uh, during the holidays. And it all came back. But when a child's body is in inflammation and their gut is not healthy, we know that the gut is, is your second brain. And all those neurotransmitters in our brain are being produced in our gut. 
So therefore, if our gut's not in order, nothing's going to work. When my, one of my sons is a celiac, and when he was diagnosed with celiac, the doctor said to me, just, you know, as we were walking out, you should know that kids with celiac also tend to have behavior issues. And I turned to him and I smiled and I said, why is that? And he said, well, I don't know, but I know. <laughs> but he said, this is our observation. Okay. Yeah. That's, at least he's observing it and that's good. Well, at least he is. <laughs> right. But he couldn't explain it. Why? Why? So potentially, if your child is diagnosed with, diagnosed with ADHD, maybe it might be one of the things that to look at their diet, see what they're eating. Absolutely. If to breathe. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. Breathe. Breathe. If we see anything physiological, like the child is tired a lot, or if they're constipated, they have diarrhea, headaches, stomach aches, rashes, runny nose, all that stuff, pains, all that stuff, and even psychiatric disorders, like, like, uh, like very nervous, anxious, or OCD kind of things. All of those, I go straight to the gut. Wow. And, and, I, and, and I have to agree with you. I'm now learning and reading books around microbiome within our stomachs, um, within, you know, within our digestive systems and all of that stuff. I've now, <laughs> I've now gone and taken a microbiome test, which is like, oh. to put it quite bluntly, it's shit in a, cylinder and send it off to somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. to grow my microbiome so good luck with that one because it wasn't pleasant um but you know just to find out what microbiome i have in my body to see just out of curiosity really i mean you know it's it's an expensive test but um yeah. there's a few things you know going on with me that i'm like going well let's test it so okay well, so you go ahead and read chapter 10 and you will see that I, I walk you through a diet that's helpful for our health. It's, it really gets people back to good health. And I, I swear by it. And oh, and, and just adding to that, the same son that, that has celiac, uh, I said, why don't we try not just taking him off of gluten? Let's go all the way. Let's do, and, I, and, I, and he and I agreed that we were going to do a raw vegan diet. Wow. Raw vegan. Okay. Raw vegan. So for me, it was 100% raw. I gave him about 20% cooked food. I gave him some quinoa, some, some mashed potatoes, just because he's a growing boy and he needs to fill up. I'm not a growing mom. That's it. I stopped growing when I was 14. Yeah. So I'm good with the raw vegan. And uh, he, his number, his celiac number went down to zero. He had completely gotten rid of inflammation. <sighs> which was remarkable because he had also been sensitive to dairy and to oats and things like that. And now once he's cleansed his body and brought that inflammation down, he can eat all those things and yeah. he's really cured himself. And he's very proud of himself. Yeah. We, I have to say we are amazing creatures, but we do abuse ourselves <laughs> with all the rubbish oh, that we never. put. Yeah all the rubbish that we put inside so i'm having to i'm having to remove processed foods and i went vegan last year but not like strict vegan so i do still eat meat so please don't shoot me people out there who see me eat meat but like i do still eat meat occasionally because sometimes i do find it hard to if i'm going out for dinner with friends or whatever then it sometimes can be hard but um wow raw vegan is like hats off to you because i'm i do still like my warm it's freezing here in melbourne yeah. at the moment so you i still like my warm you can't do it in the winter it's it's it, 
in my mind, it's an impossibility to do raw vegan in the winter. You could do cooked vegan with some salads. That's great. But you also have to be in touch with your body and say, what do I feel? What do I feel like? And, yeah, like and at the moment. I, if I, if I feel like soups. sugar, then don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because it's addictive. Yeah, exactly right. No, exactly. And um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, hats off to you. But I don't like I don't miss I don't really miss me. It's really weird. Like I did to start with and cheese and, but I don't really, like even cheese nowadays, I go, mm, like I can't be bothered. And I was a real cheese and biscuits, wine, you know, cheese and bit like platters and all of that stuff. You can get vegan cheeses and stuff like that and it's all good. But um, sure, yeah, stuff. exactly. So like, it's amazing. And my, I was, I've got, um, type 2 diabetes in my family and so basically but my diabetes markers for want of a better word um a year ago were quite high and they were like oh, we're gonna have to watch you and then being vegan for almost a year now well it has been a year uh being vegan for a year um they're like down to well below the levels so it's yeah well yeah. done. So well done. I had that with cholesterol. Well, I've got it with your cholesterol. We should consider drugs. And I took it right down. Oh, My wow. is perfect right now. Yeah, I took it right down with diet and exercise. Yeah, that's why I'm cutting out the processed vegan stuff because I was vegan. And when I went and got my bloods tested this year, they went, oh, you've got high cholesterol. And you've got, I've got slightly underactive oh, okay. thyroid and high cholesterol, but I'm old. And I'm probably on menopause, which is probably affecting all of my hormones anyway. Um, and that's what the doctors have sort of said. But uh, And then I went, right, let's get my microbiome checked just in case to see what's going on internally. Because what's going on internally and what I may have internally lacking or excess of might need to just be adapted. So, yeah, so I'm having a look there as well having a right old cleaning nice. so um yes but we got off the subject we just went down a rabbit hole so um you're saying but you're saying so you're not so also i just want to go back to the comment about medication right because i do also know people who've got kids who have adhd and they medicate and um, my my stepdaughter right. my, As most my my stepdaughter's on ridlin and i have to say that when she first took the tablet she basically it blew her mind because she said oh my god is this is this life without adhd as such it's sort of it like the only way i can describe it and i'm not obviously speaking for her but the only way i can describe it from how she was describing it is it seemed to straighten her out right it seemed to focus mm -hmm. her mind and straighten her out um and she was like, wow, I, she said, I, I nearly cried because I was like, oh, my God, this was such an eye-opening experience for her. Um, but you're sort of saying you're not against medication, but you're saying potentially look at other options first. Is that what you're saying? Or don't pick that as the first well, one? I'm saying, yes, I'm definitely saying uh, look at the full child. If there was a if if there was a uh, deficiency of Ritalin in the brain, I would say go Ritalin first. Okay. But since that's never the case, first we have to figure out what's bothering the child. Yeah. In some cases, the child's in such a bad state where we say let's just give them a couple of months to just calm them down. In which case, go for it. But what we're doing is we're exchanging a we're doing a quick fix and we're really trading that 
for the long-term process. Because if the child's really missing vital skills and habits, emotionally, socially, academically, the Ritalin is not gonna give them the, those habits. It's gonna slow them down during those hours and let them hyper-focus on what they're doing. But even if a child's on Ritalin for three years, it, the long-term studies are, are showing that they do not do better academically wow. and socially than kids who have not been medicated. So it might feel better for us. And by the way, I, I've, I tried Ritalin just to see what my kid's experience was. And uh, it's not, and, and, and it doesn't, taking Ritalin and it working, so to speak, does not indicate that you have ADHD because it, it works on everyone. That's why it's on all college campuses. Yeah, hello. So therefore, that's, that's something we have to be careful about. Exactly. It's like the, the most sold street drug. But it, what your stepdaughter is saying is, is, wow, is this the way life is without ADHD? And it's no, no, it's not the way life is because none of us are focused all the time. None of us have that ability to hyper-focus like the chemical-induced hyper-focus that they get. So, so it's not, it's, it's almost like a trick because she thinks like, oh, this is what I'm yes. supposed to be. And, and now this medication got me there, but it's no. not the way she's supposed to be. And uh, she definitely needs help, but is she going to get the help long-term? through the medication, the answer is definitively no. Will she get a, a, a calming and be able to build her self-esteem and be able to understand what her experience is and, and create a, a habit pattern? Yes, she can do that. And, and that's why I'm not against it because it is a plaster of sorts. So it, you, the child's- bleeding. So it basically could help to calm everything down to enable the child to then or adult, because I suppose an adult could be diagnosed adult, later, yeah. to then learn how to deal with or live with, or I can't remember what, how to approach the adaptation is how you phrased it. I think how we've adaptation um, and management of life with ADHD. Right. So we're never looking at management. We're looking at flourishing because the person's healthy. So therefore, it's not like a managing a disease. What we're looking at is, okay, the reason you got put on medication is because you were missing all the habits. And therefore, that's why you're on medication. So now you're not bothering us anymore and you're not bothering yourself anymore. And now you're actually, when someone tells you to do something, you're, you're kind of doing it in a more productive way, but you're still missing all the yeah. habits. So therefore, let's make a program for wow. you. You want to start with the Ritalin? Great. Now let's make a program because you need to progress yeah. because you're a healthy, smart person with, with tremendous yeah. capability. And and people with ADHD aren't stupid. Like you said, they are actually have a high, yeah, they can be of a higher AQ, IQ. So yeah. Okay, cool. I, I love talking to you because I'm so interested in this subject. Like I really want to delve down one to help my stepdaughter, but like, you know, it's, it's just out there. And I just sit there and go, there's so many people with children who are diagnosed with ADHD. And I don't know if it's because one, people, the, the different, the um, society has changed, you know, how we have, bring our kids up because we're, you know, mums used to stay at home and stuff like that. So they used to be there when the kids came back from school and, you know, all of those things. And like, we didn't have to go out to work all the time. And so you didn't have both parents out to work. There was more of a village situation, all of those things that I don't particularly have in my life. So I work full time. I don't have like 
my parents and a, and a family, you know, my family here in Australia. So all of those actual aspects. And I go, is that affecting my child? Is that going to, you know, all of these things that you worry about as a single parent? But, right. like, sure. you know, I just, yeah. Yeah, listen, single parents have it much, much my heart with this because the more adults we have supporting that child the better off the child's going to be i think that that the the trick really is creating a community and you're creating that through your podcast reaching out to other single moms and uh or or single dads yeah well i hope so to. let's hope so um, they're okay, all included excellent. so uh, <laughs> okay excellent single parents um, but, uh, we, we, you have to create a community where you're raising children together. And that's really the key because you, your neighbor's going to pick up something that you didn't see. And, and I love that when we can all really love each other's children and, and raise together, that's, that's the only way that we're going to do this. Great. Yeah. So look, where can people contact you and where can they like get the book and things like that? What's, have you got a website? Yeah. So my website is hyperhealing.org. Cool. And you're more than welcome to visit, get some information. I have a lot of free downloads and you can also write to me directly cool. and I always respond. And I'm on Instagram as well at hyperhealing.adhd wow. as well as um, my book is available on Amazon and on all the other booksellers as well. Yeah. So you can order the book. It's actually on sale right now, 99 cents for the ebook. I usually recommend for the parents to get the the soft cover book yeah. because then you can take notes in it yeah, yeah. uh so that's and it's an it's a book that it's not you don't sit down and read it and then close it it's more of a guide so you're you're traveling with it so you might want to read a chapter every few weeks and then and then get go at it yeah. and really practice what's being recommended um so therefore that's why i like to, it to be something you could underline highlight circle get angry at and then tell me why you're upset, and uh, and we could have a nice dialogue about it. Yeah, reach and, out for uh, yeah, help so if they're confused about something or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, that's awesome. Very happy to help. I don't want there to be other parents out mm. there that were as lost as I was. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's great. That's awesome. Look, thank you so much for everything, all your tips, hints, and like just explaining to us all about it and your thoughts. Um. I have one final question. If you had a superpower, what would it be? I'm thinking it might be ADHD because that's a superpower. But like, yeah, no, what would your superpower be? That's a good question. Um, yeah. I would love to I have fly. to agree. I have to agree. I might be a bit scared though. It might be a bit wobbly. I always ask people who say they want to fly, cape or no cape? If you're a superhero, Without the cape, I don't need. I don't need a costume. I don't even just want to get dressed in the morning. Like the less. Oh my god! I'm not sure I'd want to see you flying above the house. Like winter comes and I have to. So I do like you. I would no. I wouldn't want a cape. No, because if you're a superhero, right? Like I've said before, if you're a superhero and you've got a cape, right? then you're just like hanging out to get killed, aren't you? Because there's evil people who could get that cape. That cape could get trapped in things. You could get it hooked on things as you fly by. I mean, there's a whole myriad. Yeah, Although someone did say, well, they would want a cape, but just Velcroed. <laughs> ah! 
No, I'm like, well, okay, you're going to have to not go hyperspeed with your cape on then because you'll just lose it. Oh, that's fine. But, yeah, no, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Look, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us here. Um, it's It's been my pleasure speaking to you. Um, I will let you my get back to pleasure. what you, where you, wherever you are and what you're doing. And, um, yeah, look, thank you. Thanks a lot. And um, I hope everyone enjoys. Me too, me too. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks a lot. See you later. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.